Voting rights are an extremely impactful issue that is not often at the forefront of the conversation in American political movements. Conservatives have fought to limit voting rights since the founding of our nation, and this agenda continues today. Dozens of Republican state legislatures, notably in Georgia, are currently considering or passing bills that include voting restrictions. At the same time, Democrats in the federal government are fighting for two major pieces of legislation, the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. The For the People Act passed the House of Representatives earlier this month and is now on the docket in the Senate. Joe Biden discussed the importance of this bill in his press conference earlier this week. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. Deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people standing in line waiting to vote. Deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work. Deciding that there will be no absentee ballots under the most rigid circumstances. It's all designed, and I'm going to spend my time doing three things. One, trying to figure out how to pass the legislation passed by the House. It's not exactly accurate to say Republicans restricting access to voting is un-American. In the founding of our country, the Constitution left voting requirement laws up to individual states. And in the 1700s, states limited this right to property-owning white males. Only about 6% of the population was eligible to vote. The idea that every citizen over 18 should vote is not an idea this country was founded on, but it is absolutely something we should aspire to as a democratic republic. We're going to break down how we can get there and what we're up against on this week's Fonzie Scheme Briefing. When Lyndon Johnson took office after the assassination of John F. Kennedy in November 1963, he made it a priority to continue Kennedy's legacy and pass meaningful civil rights legislation. In response to the massive civil rights movement in the early 1960s, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was passed into law. This was a major reason LBJ went on to win the 1964 presidential election in a landslide against Barry Goldwater, garnering over 60% of the popular vote. He of course began Operation Rolling Thunder a few months later, and Lyndon Johnson will forever be remembered as the piece of shit who brought the US into Vietnam. Fuck LBJ. In his elected term, however, he did sign into law the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This law secured the voting rights for racial minorities throughout the country, specifically the South where the 14th and 15th Amendments were not being enforced. It went on to be expanded five times over the next five decades, until a Supreme Court decision in 2013 drastically reduced the scope of the Voting Rights Act's enforceability. Shelby County v. Holder put into question two key provisions in the Voting Rights Act. Section 4B lays out a formula that determines which states and localities have a record of voter suppression, and Section 5 requires these states and local governments to obtain federal preclearance before making any changes to their voting laws. Although it would probably have made sense to make this policy standard for all voting laws nationwide, it is understandable to target these specific districts. However, in a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court determined this formula was unconstitutional. Within five years, nearly 1,000 polling places closed, most in counties with a high population of African Americans. Voter suppression is a known tactic of conservatives to win elections. Paul Weyrich, a conservative activist and founder of the Heritage Foundation, described by admirers as the Lenin of social conservatism, gave an infamous speech in 1980 saying the quiet part loud. Now many of our Christians have what I call the goo-goo syndrome. Good government. They want everybody to vote. 
I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. Wow, he went full mask off. Republicans don't often say this directly. They instead fearmonger about voter fraud, underage voting, and non-citizens voting. These are not material concerns at all. They are talking points to get their supporters to back a voter suppression agenda. Voter fraud is extremely rare. While I do believe that every case of illegal voting should be prosecuted, government investigations, as well as independent studies, find that these cases take place somewhere between 1 to 2 out of every 10 million votes cast. There are about as many cases of voter fraud in the last 30 years as there are cases of people being struck by lightning. Again, these cases should be taken seriously on an individual basis, but an extra vote out of 10 million is going to have no impact on the actual outcome of the race. Right-wing think tank the Heritage Foundation has an online database of what they refer to as proven instances of voter fraud. There are 1,317 instances in this database dating back 30 years. These cases include California Republican City Councilman Alex Campbell and Republican State Assembly candidate Neil Kitchens both declaring false addresses to be eligible for candidacy. Another example is Republican voter Richard David registering his dead father and four dogs to vote with the intention of proving how easy it would be to commit voter fraud in a Democratic state. Well, he got caught because it is in fact not that easy. There are certainly examples of people on both sides of the political spectrum committing some form of voter fraud. But again, these cases are so rare they have no material impact on the outcome of elections whatsoever. Building off the fear-mongering by Trumpist Republicans falsely claiming the 2020 election had widespread voter fraud, Republican state and local legislatures around the country are enacting voter suppression legislation. We are going to focus on what is taking place in Georgia, where SB 202, a law described by Stacey Abrams as, quote, Jim Crow in a suit and tie, unquote was just signed into law this week by Governor Brian Kemp. In a state that already has very strict voting access, this law is going to systematically limit the right to vote. Remember how I mentioned many polling places closed after the Supreme Court ruling in 2013? As of 2019, seven counties in Georgia had only one polling location each. As the state has seen an increase in population in Atlanta's suburban counties, the number of polling places has been reduced by nearly 10%. These closures are in areas with statistically higher populations of black voters. An analysis by Sanford University found that the average wait time after 7 p.m. in areas of Georgia where the population is at least 90% non-white was 51 minutes, while in areas that were 90% or more white, the wait was only 6 minutes. It took a massive organizing effort by voting rights advocates across the state to ensure Georgians had access to vote in the 2020 election. Part of this action included providing voters with water while waiting in these long lines to vote. The people handing out waters weren't only giving them to Democratic voters, but of course, as Republicans know, if more people vote, the more likely a Democrat wins. SB 202 outlaws giving anything to voters standing in line to vote. Republicans have successfully politicized and outlawed giving water to thirsty people. I can't say I'm surprised, but it really is absurd to put it like that. Other aspects of this bill include limiting the number of ballot drop boxes for absentee ballots, which will obviously disproportionately impact disabled people, and allowing Georgian citizens to file an unlimited number of challenges to the eligibility of particular voters. As I said, I'm down to go after the few cases of voter fraud that pop up, but this aspect of the law is going to allow authorities to find problems where there aren't any. Another key aspect of this bill is that it gives state-level officials the authority to usurp powers of county election boards. This will allow the Republican state government to impose restrictions on voting in counties that have elected Democratic legislatures. It will make it easy for them to tilt elections in Republicans' favor. Georgia State Representative Park Cannon was arrested Thursday for knocking on Governor Brian Kemp's door while he signed this bill into law in the company of several white men. 
Her attorney says she is facing up to eight years in prison on felony charges of obstruction. The governor is signing a bill that affects all Georgians. Why is he doing it in private? And why is he trying to keep elected officials who are representing us out exactly. of the process? Exactly. Are you serious? No, you oh, are not. No. Represent She's not under arrest. What is for what? Under arrest for what? For trying to see something that our governor is doing? Our governor is signing a bill that affects all Georgians, and you're going to arrest an elected representative. Why are you arresting her? Tell us now. Why are you arresting her? Cited. Give me a reason why you are arresting her. Give me a reason why you are arresting her. She is an elected representative. You are choosing to arrest an elected official. Cite the statute. Cite the statute that you are arresting her under. I think anyone who is a supporter of democracy can see the problems with this bill. If a state is majority Republican, I don't want Democrats manipulating the law to win a state, and I feel the same way about Republicans. While I disagree with most conservative points of view, in a democracy, the majority rules, and everyone's vote should count. Real groundbreaking concepts we're coming up with here on the Fonzie Scheme. The For the People Act, which passed the House as H.R. 1 and is now under consideration as S. 1 in the Senate, will roll back these dangerous Georgia laws and put in protections to prevent them from happening again. The over 800-page bill includes a wide range of legislation, including expanding voting rights and fighting against dark money in politics. Naturally, Republicans are very scared and have resorted to spreading misinformation about it. Speaker Pelosi and her colleagues are advertising it as a package of urgent measures to save American democracy. What it really seems to be is a package of urgent measures to rewrite the rules of American politics for the exclusive benefit of the Democratic Party. The integrity of future elections in this country is under assault. Congressional Democrats are determined to pass a bill with the innocent-sounding name of For the People Act of 2021. Don't be fooled. It is the most blatant assault ever on the honesty of our electoral system. Among its many awful provisions, this bill would force voter registration. Every state would have to automatically register voters. When I see what the Democrats are proposing that's come over from the House, to me that is radical, extreme, dangerous, and I find it quite scary. And it would disenfranchise the 49% of the voters and the public that are in the minority. That's what the consequences of this bill would be. They want to change the rules of the Senate, change the traditions of the Senate to pass massively unpopular legislation that will help them never lose another election. This is the most dangerous legislation that's ever been considered some key measures include modernizing voter registration to promote internet registration, automatic registration for anyone who provides information to a government agency such as the DMV, and nationwide same-day voter registration. This bill would also limit states' use of interstate cross-check to purge eligible voters from the rolls. I recommend looking into Greg Palast's work uncovering interstate cross-check, which is shown to have a greater than 99% error rate and frequently targets minority communities. The trick is called cross-check, and it's ethnically cleansing the voter rolls of 29 states. Here's our file on the wizard of cross-check, Chris Kobach. He's the top election official in Kansas. 
Republican superstar. Mr. Kobach, hi. You're the guy behind the cross-check list. So how would cross-check steal an election? I'll check out the names on the list. Hernandez, Wong, and nearly a quarter million Jacksons. In other words, voters of color. This is voter suppression, pure and simple. S1 does not go so far as to just have automatic registration for anyone over 18, which to me is common sense. Allow people to opt out, but by default, everyone should be registered. Republicans have somehow spun automatic voter registration into a freedom issue. Freedom to not vote, I guess. The bill will also expand access to voting for individuals with disabilities, mandate early voting nationwide, and implement no-excuse mail-in voting. It will eliminate many policies that conservatives have used to disenfranchise eligible voters for decades, such as voter caging, deceptive practices, voter intimidation, and it will require states with voter ID requirements to permit people without the required ID to vote if they complete a sworn written statement attesting to their identity. These barriers have disproportionately impacted marginalized communities. Voter ID, for instance, is a very innocent sounding policy that conservatives across the nation push for. Requiring a form of identification to vote in theory sounds good to protect election integrity. In practice, it's a way for Republicans to limit voting from certain populations. In Texas, for instance, you can vote with a handgun license, but not with a student ID. The statistics don't lie that voter ID laws limit voting access for minorities and lower income communities. This act will also implement more measures to promote accuracy and integrity in our elections. Under the For the People Act, all states will be required to conduct federal elections using voter-verified paper ballots. This does not mean everyone will fill out their ballot by hand, which would be inefficient, but in my state of Nevada, we have a system where when you vote at a polling location, you fill out your ballot digitally, and then the final verification step is a printed out ballot that you review before it is finally submitted. This allows for more reliability and protects elections from any kind of interference due to machines being hacked or compromised. It would also end partisan gerrymandering. Due to changes in state populations, along with some rigging from Donald Trump, the 2020 census is going to result in several representatives leaving blue states for red states. Texas is likely going to add three representatives. We already have a major problem with gerrymandering in Texas. Just look at Dan Crenshaw's district. The For the People Act would force the redistricting process to be completely transparent to the public in order to prevent communities of color from having their votes diluted, like they historically have been. Another huge aspect of this bill is reforming campaign finance. Due to the 2010 Supreme Court decision of Citizens United v. Federal Elections Commission, there is no limit on dark money going into super PACs to fund our elections. S1 would close loopholes that allow spending by foreign nationals and mandate disclosure of any donor who gave at least $10,000 to a specific organization during an election cycle. It will also empower campaigns supported by small dollar donations. The bill will allow candidates who refuse any large corporate donations to receive a 6 to 1 match of donations under $200. So if a candidate receives a $50 donation, they will receive an additional $300 from a government fund. This will be called the Freedom from Influence Fund and will not use taxpayer dollars. Instead, it will come from a small surcharge on criminal or civil penalties. I'll let the bill's lead sponsor, Representative John Sarbanes of Maryland, explain it. The way we pay for this system is very innovative. It's to put a small surcharge on government settlements with large sort of corporate lawbreakers and high-end tax cheats. So for example, we'll take like mm -hmm. less than a 5% surcharge on the settlement that Wells Fargo enters into with the government for billions of dollars because they were defrauding their customers mm -hmm. or the settlement that Facebook enters into because they're violating privacy or that Purdue Pharma 
enters into with the government because they're fueling addiction across the country. Mm -hmm. So the very corporate actors who have been behaving in a way that is eroding and undermining public trust and abusing the public trust are the ones we're saying, hey, you should be the ones to chip in and bear the cost of standing up a new system that can actually mm -hmm. begin restoring people's trust in the system. Despite the amazing reforms the For the People Act would put in place, it has no chance to pass under the current filibuster rules. I recommend my video on the filibuster to understand what that means and what can be done about it. But for now, think of the filibuster as a certain cargo ship in the Suez Canal with our legislative process as the canal. Even if this bill does pass, there's a chance the conservative Supreme Court could declare parts of it unconstitutional. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try though. This is an expansive revolutionary bill that could change our elections for the better. While the progressive movement for many major issues, civil rights, healthcare, women's choice, climate change, is not completely dependent on voting, having a free and fair election system will empower us to elect uncorrupt officials who will fight alongside us for these important issues. A huge step in the right direction to move toward an inclusive democracy is passing the For the People Act. That does it for this week's Fonzie Scheme Briefing. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Evan Fonzie, and come hang out in a Twitch live stream sometime. We're live at twitch.tv slash Evan Fonzie every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 5 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Clips from the Twitch show drop on my YouTube channel frequently at youtube.com slash Evan Fonzie. As always, our music was composed, written, and recorded by Ari Solis. Check him out at arisolis.bandcamp.com or somewhere to hide.com. We'll see you next week. Oh,